You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Penny Dreadful After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show, it's AfterBuzz TV's Penny Dreadful After Show. Hey everybody, welcome into the Penny Dreadful After Show right here on AfterBuzz TV. Thank you for joining us yet again for another great week of Penny Dreadful. It is Season 1, Episode 7, entitled Possession. I am your host, Bobby DeMuro. Excited, as always, to be joined by my two lovely co-hosts. Sarah Stretton is out tonight, but we have Roxy Stryer. Hello. And Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. Okay, before we get into the episode, Roxy, I know you agree with me on this. I am uncomfortable right now. I, I, I'm physically nauseous. I I'm mentally discombobulated. Yeah, you know, I have a pretty strong stomach usually, but I swear to God, there was a moment where I really thought I was going to vomit. What was your moment? Um, it was right before, actually, when she started scrap the scratching at herself, and then after the <laughs> scratching, we go straight to the needle in the arm, and the needle in the arm combined with the scratching at her skin. I- I'll stop because I know, I know. I I, I I nearly vomit. Not to get too graphic, I'm sorry. I nearly vomited on the scratching. The scratching. I've never, I will never do that. Nothing makes me do that. I don't know what it was. I don't know if I was just being a sensitive baby. No. I, something about that. And something about this whole episode was just unnerving. I probably well, made I, it worse for you. I think that's what Penny De- Dreadful does so great that they can visualize all the uncomfortable things and really make it. In a in a way, beautiful and you're visu- sick, man. Visually, you're you know, s- stunning. I mean, I didn't have a problem with, with it. Yes, it was uncomfortable. All right, shut up, Spider Ooh. Woman. Yeah, you, I'm spider. sure you had but a problem. Than, <laughs> hey, we'll get to the spider. <laughs> but that didn't bother me as much as a biggest surprise for me about you guys in that particular. So scene. nauseous. I mean, it, so nauseous. It was definitely uncomfortable, but I'm like, okay. Uh, I thought it was the best episode of Penny Dreadful so far, which is saying a lot. I totally uh, agreed. Because so we've had some amazing good. episodes. I thought it was really incredible. It, the Almost from start to finish, you just asked me to pinpoint the time that I felt like really sick. I just gave you one of the times. Almost from start to finish, I felt really just like th- that pit in your stomach where you feel queasy. Yeah, 100%. About everything. And, and I agree with you. This was, to me, I know I said this a couple weeks ago. I can't remember which episode that was the best. This, to me... Uh, championed that one this was the best episode we've seen so far it was beautiful it was interesting it was amazing it it didn't run too long it didn't cut off too short i think episode five was the one that you loved so much yeah Yeah, i think it was uh, yeah but it was just i was so nauseous about this and so uncomfortable and i know that was the point but marissa you were sick for liking it you were so sick maybe i am maybe i just watched too much television Uh, that's true (laughs) maybe and i'm just desensitized dude if that's the standard then i I don't know i'm with you with the amount of tv we watch and this and this was a lot 
I, I mean, I mean, I I will admit there were moments where I like my face was like, ugh. <laughs> like I mean, if you're listening on iTunes, that you should definitely watch YouTube for my facial reaction. But there was a moment I caught myself like grimacing at the scenes, but I thought it was so well done because that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to make the audience uncomfortable because that was a very uncomfortable difficult situation to deal with that all of those guys had to deal with and even uh vanessa and i mean they did it really well absolutely you know what the actually when i when i look at overall what was so difficult about this episode to watch is when somebody is in that much pain when somebody is being tormented like that from the inside out and helpless it it makes me feel for them in a way that is unexplainable. You know, when you when you look at somebody and you can see the agony and th- there's no words, that makes me feel like helpless. And it's it, this episode made me feel claustrophobic. The whole episode. Well, let's get into it. I'm sorry for wasting like four and a half minutes of your time, viewers, talking about how uncomfortable it made us. Before we get into it, though, I do want to say one thing because we've been talking about this a lot and it's been doing very well. On a lighter note. New book. To make yourself feel better. I was going to say, if you're nauseous from watching the episode... Do some of the recipes in this book. You will feel much better the next day. And you'll lose weight. Maria's new book, The Every Girl's Guide to Diet and Fitness, How I Lost 40 Pounds and Kept It Off, and How You Can Too. We were talking on another show last week about how Maria 40 pounds ago looked fine. There's nothing wrong with her. And Maria now looks incredible. So it's like this would be something, and I know it's summertime, and I know it's bikini season. I don't know about you two. I don't wear bikinis. You might be surprised to know. Come on, Bobby. You can be truthful. Uh, well, I, I do have a lot of pool parties to go to this summer, so I got to really get ready. It's amazing. There's a lot of advice from all different celebrities, probably your favorite celebrities. Our very own Stephen Lemieux took a lot of the pictures in there. They're great recipes, uh, and, and obviously she lives by her own words, so it's nice to see somebody who actually followed through with what they do. I've got Perez Hilton. I've got Khloe Kardashian. I've got a whole bunch of people some extra folks so yeah there are a lot of celebrities in here and really good information so the every girl's guide to diet and fitness it's out in stores it's on amazon it's on barnes and noble pretty much anywhere books are sold it is number nine on the new york times bestseller list right now it's been as high as number three which is very impressive we're so. in the house and hey Don't actually if you've bought it already tweet about it i believe the hashtag is every girl's guide yep so tweet go. about it if you bought it already or you have a review or whatever we would love to hear from you guys we'll track those uh Okay, I've been dancing around it long enough. I guess we got to get into it. I know, Roxy, you're Do looking what? at me like you're not that happy. Ooh, it's it's just going to be a tough after show right now. I'll really be the good positive one, force on this panel. There are days, Roxy said this off camera, there are days when an amazing hour of television happens and you almost don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I, I honestly, I I'm think I'm going to do a good amount of listening tonight. Um, no, and, I, and I'll put my input there, but I... I feel like this is the perfect time to do the after show so that you guys at home can dissect more. It's almost like I needed another hour, like what we're giving you now, to just breathe and absorb it all. Uh, Because sometimes you see something that that affects you so much and and touches you in a weird way that like it it's hard to talk about oh listen we could be totally wrong roxy you and i have been wrong before we could be totally wrong about this and if we are totally wrong and in feeling how uncomfortable we are let us know if you're at home and you're like no this was a normal you wimps (laughs) you guys are babies let us know marissa i know you're like this is going to be your show today you're just going to talk for until we get to the spiders until we get to the spiders okay so okay like i completely understand your opinion on that so sometimes you have to you know just step back and just have something as amazing as this episode just be amazing on its own it's like it doesn't really need words it was just amazing yeah 
It was but amazing. we'll talk about it. Oh, we're definitely going to we'll talk, talk about it. it. Let's start at the start. We first see Vanessa in the therapist-like situation. We mm-hmm. see her, and it's Malcolm. I, at first, when they panned down, I thought she may have actually been seeing a therapist or something. It's just Malcolm. <laughs> it's just, just Malcolm. Just Malcolm. Uh, and she's talking to him, and we learn very quickly that it's not Vanessa. Well, do we learn that? that no, we do learn it pretty quickly. No, that it's kind of Mina, but when he says Mina, her answer isn't, yes, it's Mina. She was like, kind of. Uh, I don't know what's going on. It's, I, because I can't certainly say this is Mina. I think it might be the devil pretending to be Mina or something. I don't well, know. Well, that's a huge question is who is who and who is pretending to be who. That's right, a legitimate exactly, question. Yeah. yeah. We learn it's not Vanessa. Okay, so so, so just for purposes of the debate, let's just take it at face value. Okay. I know it okay. may not be. I know we can debate about it on YouTube all week, and we will because, by the way, you guys on YouTube who are commenting, you rock. Amazing. Seriously, you you're guys unbelievable. just get it. Like, they, um, like how, how did they figure this one out? Well, they're smarter than we are. That's, I know. that's the start. <laughs> I know. Uh, but let's just take it at face value. Let's assume that everything we see is face value with Mina, with what happens with Ethan later on. Let's just take it at face value. Well, okay, I'll so, try. Yeah, I know it's hard, <laughs> but we. But okay, so Vanessa is possessed in this scene with with Mina, with whatever the spirit of right. Mina and whatever it mm-hmm. is. And and really has an uncomfortable scene about Malcolm, and we learn indirectly a lot about Malcolm cheating on his wife, the the fat woman. We had a lot of fat comments about how fat your wife is, and have you ever seen a fat woman cry and stuff like mm-hmm. that? Um, and, and we learn a lot about. Uh, excuse my language, I'm gonna have to say it. We learn a lot about him being Malcolm and Peter fucking everything. Yeah, every yeah. tribe going through Africa, every you know Burundi, Maasai, whatever it was, they name a bunch of tribes. And to yeah. Until Sembene knocks her out. That was a very uncomfortable start to a very uncomfortable episode. And I think that scene really set the tone for what we were going to expect. A lot of moments where Mina is possessed and like it's not really I mean not Mina, did I say Mina? Um Vanessa is possessed and it's a lot of moments where we see Vanessa being someone else, but she still is kinda there. So we don't know what to trust all the information that um when she's channeling that that what's ever inside her when she's channeling that that is truthful but it is like like we said last week's episode you don't know who to trust or what to trust so right. it really does set the tone of what's going on here uh we also learned that he did not attend um mrs ives funeral but on the note of trusting i think that that's why they included this app ep- of this part at the top because we don't know if everything she's saying is true and we're not positive. And the way that I think by the end of the episode, we do know, and of course, we'll talk more about Ethan later, but what she accuses Ethan of, we know to be true because we saw it. So we can only assume that whatever's inside her is only speaking truths because we know part of it to be true. All, all knowing and all seeing. Right. That's a good yeah. point. And a lot of anger in that truth. Too, yeah. Because I think any normal person would, yeah, would... Uh, respond in an angry like situation like this is pretty effed up and what you everything that has gone down is pretty wrong but she's not spewing crazy she's spewing truth and that's the Mm -hmm. difference but when when you look at her you assume nonsense and craziness but we know for a fact that she's telling truth because we've seen it Mm -hmm. so it's just it's hard and i mean i guess not for a fact maybe part of it could not be true and and how the fact that he killed his son how true is it we hear the story from him we don't really hear it from her fully yet i don't really i don't know what exactly has happened yet it's interesting to talk about and the other interesting thing with this very first scene is Sembene. Mm-hmm. and Sembene comes in there and physically knocks her out 
and punches her twice. Doesn't hold her down. That was good. Doesn't do whatever. He physically closed hand punches her twice. We don't see a lot of violence towards women in this way on this show or on most shows. And, and for whatever reason and for good measure. And this is a very different departure in this case to punch, to knock her out punching her cold, which to me shows that they understand the gravity of what's going on. It's not Vanessa. This is Mina or the devil or whatever you want to call it. So we need to do whatever we can to get control. And I like how some Benny's there because we saw in last week's episode, he's like uh, talking to Malcolm, are you ready to do what you have to do? And then when situations like this arise and Vanessa is starting to become uncontrollable, he's the one that's stepping up and taking control over Vanessa and doing whatever it takes and not Malcolm. But it was interesting to me the fact that, like you're saying, he knocks her out cold. And the only benefit that had over restraining her is the fact that she can no longer speak. So what is, if I was in Benny and I didn't know the things she was saying, I wouldn't want to knock her out because I would want to hear. But... I think Simbene has a lot of knowledge and he knows a lot about Sir Malcolm and these are things he probably has already known or heard and so he wants her to shut the F up. Yeah, it's it's what it's doing is it's buying them time. Right. It's yeah. not it's not a solution. They just need time to control her because of the books and all the things that were flying at that point. Later on when when the window explodes and stuff like that, they're just trying to buy time with these things because they're powerless to stop it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very uncomfortable to me. It's almost like the the writers and directors and stuff. And I know they produced this long ago, but it's like they saw the reception to the séance in episode two, and they said, "Hey, let's do a whole episode on that." You yeah. know, in a weird yeah. way, that's what it's like because it's pretty much Eva Green just being crazy for an Let's episode. Let's elevate it for yeah. a whole 60 minutes. I'm sure they saw it themselves, yeah. the rough cut, and they thought, this is gold. And maybe then changed some sort of storyline. But she can carry herself so well that it doesn't even matter. That Yes, all the other actors are fantastic, but it wouldn't even matter if they weren't because she just is everything. Like, the, her performance tonight was unbelievable, spot on. Amazing. How do you study, I don't mean to go too far off topic, but how do you prepare to be possessed on camera the way Eva Green was possessed? Who do you go to? Like, what does she practice in her bedroom at night? What do you do? (laughs) She's so good, but if you've ever seen, like, any of her other projects, like Camelot, for another TV series that she was on, there were a lot of scenes in that show where she was possessed by, like, evil spirits. Like, she dabbled in the dark arts because she played Morgan, uh, Morgan in that show. So she was a dark witch and, like, a lot of dark magic. And a lot of dark forces channeling through her. So she she did that very well. And that was like four years ago. Well, actually three years ago. But I think that's just her being amazing and like such a well-acted actress and in and of herself. She's just amazing. She brings everything like A-level and she just brings her A-game. Speaking of A-game, how about that uncomfortable scene when Victor Frankenstein comes to examine Vanessa and she calls him out on being a virgin? Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of knew that. Aggressive, we? though. Ag- really aggressive. It was, it was one of two times it was mentioned in the episode that he was a virgin. Um, you know, she calls him out, and then she says, or maybe you're not, what do I know, kind of thing. And she almost tried to bite him. Yeah. Um, I mean, and she gave the line from Shelley again, no more let life divide what death can join together. We heard that line last episode. That was the title of last episode. Mm-hmm. She gave it again in this one. Yep. Uh, so clearly there's supposed to be bells going off in our head. Listen to this. Yeah, well, that was the exact same line that we had with last week's episode right. when, you know, Victor did say that line. Right. And it's her, and it's her, I, I don't want to interpret it differently from you guys, Marissa. I know you probably know a whole lot more about Shelly than we do. Um, 
she smiles because she knows. She's like, like, I know a little bit more. This is is Professor Serafini we're talking about, guys. No more let life divide what death can join together is, to me, a direct correlation with what she wants at the rest of the episode, which is to die. Don't let life divide what death can join together. She's like, kill me. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I need to leave this situation because I'm not going to win. When Vanessa, not possessed Vanessa, regular Vanessa. She says it in like six different languages. Kill me. Like, I would like to die now. Yeah, absolutely. There's a direct correlation there. Yeah. It shows how serious it is. I concur. (laughs) Okay. Hey, let's get to the spiders. Marissa, what did you think of those spiders on the table? Um, Creepy, creepy. I mean, it was to be expected. I I admit, I closed my eyes on this one and like washed through my fingers. (laughs) I couldn't really read the the tarot card. You pulled a Vanessa? I did. I did. (laughs) I really did. Um, I I wanted to see what tarot card it was, like the name of the one that was flipped. I don't know. It was too dark or maybe I was just, my vision was obscured by my fingers. So uh, the spiders, really creepy, really, really creepy. But we know because the last time we saw spiders go out like that it was when there was a dark force going on with Vanessa in that room so I mean and for the serious. record I don't think we saw the, did you get the tarot card no he kept flipping it but we couldn't see I don't think side. we could see it okay yeah. good um yeah. and just to sorry to jump back just for one second um because I think it's important to mention this whole thing about Frankenstein asking about the sexual trauma and I turned to you and um Malcolm was like I don't know whether she's a virgin I don't know whether she's intact anymore doesn't he know? Doesn't he know what she did to Mina? That's a good point. Or and he so knows he, what he did. And to, so she, he's Mina's, hiding it, or he doesn't want to tell. He's protecting her. Well, uh, the way he said it, he was kind of dismissive. Like, uh, if I had to guess, she's not a virgin. Yeah, so. but, but why? Yeah, we we all know that, and I think Malcolm knows that. We know Malcolm knows that. So why wouldn't Malcolm just say to Frankenstein, "No, she's not a virgin"? Why would he try, kind of allude but, to it? Okay, but also at this point in the episode, Malcolm is still keeping his secrets, and we find later on, not to jump ahead, like his uh, ulterior motive of why he's letting Vanessa get to this serious point in his her possession. So he's still keeping his secrets just to use Vanessa as his pawn. Right, but how is this part of that game? And also, sexual trauma, to me, that was not sexual trauma necessarily, unless it's well, because... Well, the sexual trauma... Is Vanessa turning around the corner in the maze, watching Malcolm have sex Sorry. with Vanessa's wife? Okay. Vanessa's yeah. wife, Vanessa's mom. Okay, not her having sex is. with Mina's guy. Exactly. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he keeps quiet about it because he doesn't want to say, "Oh, her sexual trauma is the fact that I was banging Sleep. her wife, her, yeah, her mom. mother." <laughs> we both said it. It's okay. Yeah. No, I think that's the sexual trauma. Malcolm doesn't want to cover it. Malcolm is a guy who, as an older man who has a fairly good perspective on the world in a lot of ways and is extremely well-traveled. So debatable. Well, no, no. Mm. Listen to where I'm going. Has a good perspective in in, in the world, not his personal life, but in in what the world is because he's so well-traveled. He is a guy who is very, very immature in that he doesn't deal with anything. He doesn't come clean about anything. He doesn't tell anything like it is. He hides everything from his son's issues to Vanessa's issues to Mina's issues to his issues with his wife. In so many ways, he's like a venerable older man. And in so many more important ways, he is acting like an immature child. I was going to say, he's more of a weak kind of person than because he lets off a very strong um, exterior. But really, he's not. You see, he is a coward and he doesn't tell the truth up front. And he doesn't. So like all these factors that really shows that he's not the best guy 
Yeah, I agree with that, but I partially disagree with the maturity comment because I don't think being cruel, uh, being not able to deal with things, uh, being sneaky is a maturity thing. I think it's who you it's are a as a person. Oh, I, yeah. I know it's who you are, it's but I think it's a maturity issue too. It's a coward thing where he doesn't want to come clean and he can't admit it to himself, let alone admit it to somebody else. Yes. Right, but I, I don't know if that's like, if he was more mature, he would be able to. I think that... This is just who he freaking is. And he's just a bad guy. I, yeah. I agree with that. I, th- okay. I, I, I don't know because yet right now we are definitely left to believe that he is not the best of guys. No, he's but not. But the fact that in tonight's episode he says he doesn't have redeemable qualities or whatever that... He, he uh, said, and I quote, I named it for myself talking about the mountains. I haven't yeah. a shred of decency I, left. I haven't a shred of decency left. And like I've said to you guys before, when somebody tells me something about themselves, I'm, I believe them. I want to believe them. If you are showing me who you are, I believe you but the fact that they said that so bluntly makes me think we, there might be some redemption for him yet that's a great life lesson from roxy stryer when mm-hmm. somebody shows you who they are believe them yeah seriously i know you're not yeah. the one to coin that but, phrase yeah but that's a good life lesson for the kids at home and that's a good life lesson with malcolm when he says something like this here because malcolm a lot of times doesn't show us who he is he's quiet about peter he's quiet about his extramarital affairs he's quiet about his fat wife which vanessa or mina was so quick to talk about and he's quiet about his relationship with Vanessa Mm -hmm. so when finally something comes out about the lack of decency about his issues when he starts to come clean to Victor and to Ethan a little bit take him at his word because his word is bad yeah yeah at least he's self-aware that he's not the the best guys is that better I don't know I don't know if he's self-aware like at least he's at the point where he admits that like he's done wrong in his past he is not a good guy and then he it seems like he yes like you said there is probably maybe a moment we might get into predictions maybe a moment in the finale where he will redeem himself and to be that I don't know about season one but that's the thing to me is or in the future this episode was a turning point for him this is the Eva Green show because of the possession but this episode was a very subtle turning point for him because for six episodes he's either been respected or quiet or venerable or guarded or whatever you want to call it and we don't know the whole story why are you laughing at me i i don't want to say oh lord <laughs> venerable vulnerable just the way you said venerable. it, it, was, it was... venerable not vulnerable oh i thought you were saying venerable venerable venerable, venerable. 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 <laughs> got you okay let's start that again the the first six episodes he's he's you know, respected and venerable and whatever you want to say. This episode, he's all of a sudden ready to confess to everyone what he's done. He confesses a little to Ethan. He confesses a little to Victor. He's desperate around Vanessa. Maybe it's the uh, uh, Catholic confession motif that we see later on in the episode. But whatever it is, he comes out of his shell to look much more vulnerable than yeah. the first six episodes. And we start to really learn about him, which is going to come into play later, even though this episode was the Eva Green show. I'm it was. And I liked how it was the other guys, you know, Ethan and Victor, to point out those things within himself. It's like, hey, again, not to jump ahead, this is, if you want a daughter, this is who she is. I mean, you yeah. better accept her. And it's like, I loved how they pretty much told him, hey, change your ways because everything you want is right in front of you. I had a hard time with that line, to be honest. Um, it Like, if you want a daughter, she's in there. Talking about Vanessa, not talking about Mina, which isn't really how it works. I, I get what he was saying, and I know that everybody at home is, um, or a lot of people at home, and I think including you, Marissa, are predicting that Malcolm is, in fact, Vanessa's father. 
Um, not to put words in your mouth, but I, I think we saw some YouTube We're comments on that. <laughs> uh, and so maybe this comment was alluding to that, that if you want a daughter, she's in there. I'm not sure. But if she is not his daughter, that's not completely how life works. Like, hey, you want a daughter? There she is. He's still missing a daughter. Yeah. I am so yeah. glad you said that. I, I mean, Go ahead. I understand what you're saying with like, hey, she's not Mina, but she's the closest thing to a daughter that you have in your life right now. Team Bobby Marissa is going to go against you today, Roxy. Yeah, I, I can I can feel that. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with you on this. I think from Ethan's perspective saying that line, Ethan recognizes that Mina is a lost cause. Mm -hmm. And if they go too much further with Vanessa, Vanessa will also be a lost cause. So Ethan is kind of of the fact that, and I'm putting words in his mouth, in his character's mouth, but I think he's kind of of the fact that Mina's gone, we're probably not going to find her because this is some screwed up crap and I didn't know what I was getting into at the start. And second, you and Vanessa have a relationship. I know that it's not, it's not perfect and and there's been a lot of things in the past but you and her are working together and coming closer in some way she's here she's vulnerable she needs help help her because your first daughter is gone and you're gonna lose a second kind of quasi daughter if mm -hmm. you're not careful i totally get what you're saying but that all runs under the assumption that mina is gone and if you know your audience and you know who you're speaking to malcolm is very clearly not living by that assumption. So Ethan saying that is not only saying, oh, if you want a daughter, she's in there, but it's also saying, because your daughter is gone. That's the thing. That's yeah. Ethan saying that is, is breaking news to Malcolm. The rest of us know it. Maybe I'm, maybe viewers are going to disagree with me. Mina's never been here. I've always considered Mina gone, and I don't think they're going to get her back. Spoiler alert. That's one of my predictions. She ain't coming back. But I think that this is Ethan telling Malcolm, guess what, dude? Wake up. Face facts. You are harping on this Mina issue. You're not going to get her back. You have a daughter in there. Go to that daughter. But exactly. she's not really the daughter. No, and I don't like, think Mina's gone, I, gone. I get that because maybe Vanessa isn't by her, um, Malcolm's biological daughter. But it's also just the, the metaphor for your family. Because we see the, like this whole season that Malcolm has lost his son, his wife, his daughter, Mina. So like he lost his whole family. And now having the closest thing to his family, which is his daughter... Vanessa is like, hey, you're you're so searching for something that's already long gone. Why not just accept the thing that you have right now? But is she, if we go back a couple episodes and we look at the throwbacks that we get, he very much so does not like her and agreed to work with her to find his daughter. He does not love her. I he does not love Vanessa. I understand. But he does care for her. Yes. Because you, you can see moments where he, like when, after the seance in episode two, when Vanessa went back home, he put the blanket on her. So he does generally care for her in a father-like situation. Like he, he is pretty much a surrogate father to Vanessa. That's where I disagree. I, I don't think that he is capable of completely caring for somebody. And I don't think he wants the role of being her father. And I think that other people are trying to put that on him. But he doesn't love her like he loves his daughter. And I, I think that's fair. I also think he's kind of a jackass. So, like, well, he you is. know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It, agree to disagree. I see what you guys are saying. And, and it comes down to his motives because Ethan even calls him out on his motives. And he says, if you just took Vanessa to this possession level to try to get back Mina, 
that's messed up, dude. And, I, I and that is what he did. But I, I don't know if that's what... Is that completely what he did? Yeah, I really think so. I mean, well, see, when he went in there... The, what we disagree on is the motives. Yeah. That's the simplest base of our disagreement is Malcolm's motives for Vanessa. I think Marissa and I see Malcolm's motives as slightly more wholesome. They're not a perfect relationship, and those motives are not perfect. And we agree with you when we say he's selfish and kind of a jackass. Right. But you see his motives as far more sinister than we do. I think that's the biggest... Because of what it all comes back to when I said when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. Yeah. And, and if he's saying, listen, I'm there's nothing decent about me, that would be the indecent thing to do. And the scene that we'll get to where we see him go in and her call him cruel and him to keep pushing, it was truly cruel. You make a good lawyer, Roxy. I don't know about that, Bobby. Litigator on our hands. (laughs) (laughs) All right, okay. Let's go to something, and I am so glad that we get to say this stuff. We don't swear a whole lot on AfterBuzz, of course. There's no need, and we don't want to do that. But if it comes up in the show, we get to say it on the after show. (laughs) And you know what I'm going for, guys? Did you fuck him or did he fuck you? Talking about. Ethan, Vanessa seeing Ethan when Vanessa's possessed and kind of hunched over or crouching, and she and Ethan comes up and she just straight up asks him about Dorian. Well, the first thing she says is, "Forgive me, I'm not myself," mm-hmm. and it almost seemed to Which be is a little funny. Right, <laughs> Forgive me, I'm not myself. She almost seemed to be there for a second, and then she was kind of sympathizing with him and talk, being all sweet, and then comes out and says that in front of a room full of people. Now, this is what I'm thinking at the time. Going back to what I said before about how she's speaking truths, Malcolm knows that she's speaking truth because everything he she said about him has been true. So when she says this about Ethan, Malcolm knows that this is true. You know, Ethan could try to play this off like she's crazy. She doesn't know what she's talking about. But Malcolm knows that when she says this, it actually happened because she's some sort of savant future seer or past seer whatever it is an omniscient personality Um, yeah Yeah. so i'm just sitting there thinking she must really have absolutely no control over herself right now and and that's the thing because we see it's been told to the audience that she keeps fighting this thing for as long as it was i believe they said um, a little bit over a week and on tonight's episode but we see that like at the beginning of that she was herself saying i'm not quite myself that was vanessa and then she immediately turned into the spirit that was inside of her the the darkness and then i'm like okay if she's saying this line about did he fuck you or did you fuck him i'm like how is vanessa feeling about this because we see that vanessa has strong feelings for dorian and vanessa or maybe the weird possessed vanessa talks about romantic feelings with ethan and i don't know which was which but there is a discussion with him too absolutely and so now are there three characters at play is it vanessa and mina and amon ra or or amon yet or what is going who are we who are we talking to right now and who's saying this about the beautiful dorian who has gotten them both and also if it was this devil character at this time then i would think uh, this is just the way that my mind works I, I could be far off but i would think that if it was the devil character that he would be able to or she would be able to see what happened so she wouldn't have to ask the question who fucked who because she would know i think she does know here's what's going on i think it's not so much the devil knows i think it's this devil character is having fun and because, wants to share with the class exactly because notice with this devil character when when she first comes in and vanessa says excuse me i'm not myself today she was possessed from the get-go yeah. and that's the devil character having fun and saying hey guys 
I'm in charge now. Was she We're possessed? Have and, and that's what the devil so. is known in that scene. In that scene. But, yeah. in that scene. but that's what the devil is known to do—to play off of people's emotions and fears and internal desires or internal conflicts and really elevate them. And that's why how people turn against themselves right. and allow the um, you know devil to come into their lives. And that's how the devil—that's like his way of manipulating people, Once and getting again. them to do whatever he wants. And because Vanessa is more so a vessel that any dark spirit can like come in and out of her. This this was just like one one situation where you know the devil was inside her. I I think that's an interesting point that any dark spirit could come in and out of her. I'm not sure if we know that, but or how many dark spirits there even are. Well, we've seen like at least three. But uh, I it could she's, all be one. She's a in, vessel. Yeah, but one of them could be reenacting. Like I don't think I would necessarily call Mina a dark spirit. I think that it's I think it's Vanessa's body. And it's the devil playing Mina. And the devil playing all these... You're saying it's the devil with a surrogate, Sur- Mina, through a surrogate, Vanessa. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, we are watching a show inside of a show inside of a show. Um, and just to point out, again, once again, she looks at Malcolm and calls him a, quote, child killer. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she's not just attacking Ethan at this time. You know, she's she's going at everybody's core. Well, and, and that's the thing about... Not only the thing with the devil having fun and toying with everybody. When I say toying, that's the most casual way to look at it. But really screwing with everybody and manipulating everything. Also, look at Ethan's reaction. Did he fuck you or did you fuck him? Look at Ethan's reaction to that. It's not overdone, but it's terrified. It's shame. It's anger. It's embarrassment. It's horror. It's how could you know that? And and so far, Ethan Chandler has been very cool. He's a sharpshooter, guys. He's totally in control. He's the man. He's with Brona. He's doing this and that. And today... Ethan loses some of his innocence. I know he's lost it already in America, mm-hmm. but in this show, from what we've seen, he loses some of his innocence, and he's sent reeling. And based on what we will later see, we have to believe that at this point in time, based on the exact reaction that you're talking about, that this is Ethan as Ethan right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So at this point, he is not possessed by anything, what I'm assuming. Unless he is, and you guys think he is. Well, let's talk about that possession, because I think he (laughs) was not, but let's transition to the possession, or whatever it was with Ethan going on. First off, before we do that, how about the montage of the week of caring for Vanessa with her possessions? Okay, so good. Like, you know, 80s movies montages, they're all, like, cheery and stuff like that? This is the worst montage ever. But (laughs) but it was amazing. It It was great. It did what it had to do, and I honestly... I. This is what I was talking about when somebody feels so tormented that you just you, you can't help but look at them and feel the the empathy, not even sympathy. You know, like you think about the moments in your life where you have been in so much pain and you felt so weak, and you look at that like everybody's felt pain before, and it just is horrible to watch. I think not it was, that kind of pain. But. I think it was well paced out for a, a montage because we as an audience member we didn't know how long they were waiting and how long how many times they had to go through the sedation of vanessa and even at the the end of the montage i was like how long have they been doing this now has it been a few days has and then we did find out it was a week i was like oh they've been stuck in that house trying to you know control vanessa and ethan or victor or one of them alludes to it later on the episode just casually is like when are we gonna get out of this house exactly it was was ethan when he was asked to go back to africa and he says no and then they they say that's how you're gonna leave the house and he looks and he's like damn how am i gonna get out of here like i'm thinking the same thing you poor thing stuck in a house with with a crazy with a lot of crazy. Vanessa's crazy. crazy, Malcolm's a little crazy, and Sembene, something tells me he's not all the way there, but we'll deal with that later. And you notice Vanessa hasn't called him out yet for anything. Does he not have sins? He must. Look, 
he's he's got scars, he's got stories, and we finally tonight hear a little bit about him, I guess, or at least somebody guessing about him. Scars and stories, man. If you have scars and stories, you can be Roxy's friend. Validly, of course. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Possessed Ethan. Possessed Ethan, or whatever that was, the first clue, and I don't know about you guys, maybe you found something before I did, but the first clue I knew something was wrong is when Vanessa, who it looked like regular Vanessa, was talking mm-hmm. about how I might have fallen in love with you. And Ethan comes back quickly with the line, you still might. All right. I have to say a couple things here. Number one, the very first episode, before he was going to be with Bronan, before she was with Dorian, or we had even seen Dorian, I felt a bond between the two of them. They also, when they did the cards, they got the lover's card. I have felt sexual tension there. I, I feel that way with Vanessa and a lot of people. I was going to say the same thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's hard to tell. I also feel that way with Ethan and a lot of people. So again, it is difficult to tell, but they're both just very, there's something there to me. Um, so before he got possessed, I was like, ooh, I called this. <laughs> I did not call what was about to happen. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, ah. And we knew it. The look in his eyes. You know it with the look in his eyes. His eyes are black. Is this Amon Ra and Amon? Like, what is going on here? Yeah, I thought this was a nice twist. I'm like, what? Yelling See, this out is the loud difference between you and room. us. We were like a little uncomfortable, and Marissa's like, oh, this is great. I need more <laughs> oh, yeah. of this. I yeah, love it. Kind of, this is great. <laughs> Uncomfortably I great. I think it's so well done to like have those twists with the audience people and be like, yeah, that we just went there, and we're like, I. It blows my mind that Penny Dreadfield can shock me in so many different ways because I have read books and stuff about, you know, the characters, but their creative liberties in the show is so amazing and so vast. Like, I really don't know what's going to happen. You don't have to read the books, honestly. I, I love, and, and we haven't read the books. You're, you're a much yeah. better book expert than the two of us are, and we're right there with you. One thing, and this doesn't have anything to do with Ethan right now, but it does need to be said, Penny Dreadful goes so seamlessly back and forth between an episode where we see several storylines jumbled together and something like this or something like Vanessa's story in the past where we see one storyline for an hour and you're entertained on both and it's awesome well because we know that there's more going on outside like when we see Caliban outside of the window there's a whole nother story going on right now but I'm so engaged in what's happening that I can't even be bothered with what he's doing standing there (laughs) like yeah but but right now that we're talking about oh dear god what is he doing standing there (laughs) but it also tells the audience hey this is waiting for you yeah after we exactly get done telling this story, we still have more stuff to tell you. Exactly. There's, um, there's so much going on. And then we hear from Ethan, and we hear from Possessed Ethan, and what he says, I want you to be the mother of evil. Rule the darkness with me, where there is no pain because there are no more hearts to feel. And we could conquer God. I almost don't oh. want to tell you guys what I thought of when I thought of that, when he said that line. Do you remember in Back to the Future when Biff has taken control of, of uh, the city? And the city is all like this like wasteland of like gambling and stuff like that. And everything's mm-hmm. dark and black. And there's nothing cool anymore. It's just money and stuff. That's what I thought of. Uh, should I be embarrassed <laughs> uh, by that? So no, Ethan I, is Biff? That's what I'm embarrassed by. Like, what is this? I was thinking more like Hitler. So <laughs> well, we're on, we're on totally, we're on different, totally different pages. Uh, no matter what, though, evil. Like, oh, for sure. Well, Biff was evil. That's true. Let's be yes, honest. That is very true. true. <laughs> I, I, just this, this 
little uh, monologue that he had here made me know he's not messing around. And as opposed to the demon inside Vanessa that seems to be a little more unsure, some, like she kind of goes back and forth with the crazy and the drama and the gossip, this demon knew. He was the king. He's looking for his queen. Well, and that's the thing. This demon's already there. Vanessa hasn't given up her soul yet. Right. No, and I thought that was interesting because also Vanessa, you know, we know when she responds to any sexual activity, the psychosexual responsiveness, this was also Amon Ra's way and try to get Vanessa like to go in for the kiss, to like romance her and court pretty much courty, um, you know, uh, yeah, just, just like <laughs> romance her in that way to get her to agree to becoming the mother of all of you. And I'm like, no, Vanessa, don't give in. Come on, you're still fighting. You're still fighting. I have to say, though, just the like, girl and me whatever it is i thought that, that kiss was so beautiful um and the way that they put it like off center and you could just see her like in the right hand corner the just the, yeah it was so well shot and such a beautiful kiss that i was like i can't be mad at this well it was well done but i like eva i like vanessa with dorian more yeah i see you think that there's a lot of sexual tension between ethan and vanessa i really don't see it See, I, I think see, there's a lot with I Vanessa and Dorian, too. I see more sexual tension with Dorian. I definitely see that. I see it with Dorian and everyone. I think there's a lot of sexual tension on this show. I think a lot of it goes back to what Bobby was saying about how we're gonna, there's a love square. I don't know if Brona's going to be involved in it because I don't know how long she's going to make it. But let's, let's well, that's going to be become, triangle for sure. That's going to become a love pentagon because Brona will die, become undead, become Caliban's lover, and then we've got a whole different situation. But let's go to what it really is. The root of the problem what with the love really is. is Vanessa Ives. If you are in London in 1892, you're going to make out with Vanessa Ives. Absolutely. If you're lucky. No, if you're, what are you talking about? Everybody's done it. Absolutely. Everybody's done it. We had an amazing YouTube comment last week about two things that they learned from the show. The second thing being not to sleep with Vanessa Ives. (laughs) I don't know about that. Hey, that first guy, that first guy on the street, as far as we know, he's doing okay. He tweeted us last week. He said he's doing fine. (laughs) I'm just kidding. If I had to guess, he's dead in the hole somewhere. (laughs) Okay, that's probably a fair guess. Uh, Let's talk about now Ethan and Malcolm, because after Ethan leaves, after that whole quasi-possession, whatever it was with him. He goes back to Malcolm, and you can sense the tension. I know there's been a lot of tension between the two of them because Ethan's not sure what's going on, but it really bubbles over in this meeting with Ethan and Malcolm because Ethan confronts Malcolm about wanting to get a priest, about doing whatever else, and Ethan says to him at one point, I had a father, he died, you had a son, and you killed him. Am I missing anything? Mm -hmm. Low blow, dude. Low blow. But another good situation to have Malcolm open up about his past and and not really reconcile but to to confess his wrongdoings so it was an just a nice moment for you know we can see malcolm slowly you know deteriorating a bit and he's starting to lose himself but did we correct me if i'm wrong but malcolm tonight's episode for the first time tried to justify what he did he said he left and then he came back and the sun was dead and the insects had already gone to him um that to me I guess could be interpreted as killing, but isn't actually. He did not murder or stab his son, from what he is saying. Nobody was no, negligent but, and consumed, and it's the idea of exactly. burying Peter and then going and working and trying to find the Nile. Absolutely. Finding the source of the Nile is more important than your own son. I respect explorers hundreds of years ago. That was very important work that was needed to get done. It was. But Malcolm or Malcolm's priorities are completely off, and he left his body there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so now he wants to go back. 
He abandoned to get his child. the body is, and Ethan questions whether that's really why he wants to go back. If that is not why he wants to go back, why on earth does he want to go back to Africa so bad? Uh, the Nookie. I'm kidding. <laughs> Neither one of you guys reacted to that. It's not the girls, but I, I don't know. That's oh, a good is that question. is that a word for girls? The Nookie? You've never heard that? <laughs> have you ever heard that? You guys have literally never heard that. Hold on. So wait a minute. I had a joke that you guys never got. I'm like, okay. the Nookie? Moving on. Like like the girls. Like you've... Um, okay. Well, I, I, I understand now. Ha ha ha. And realistically, why would he want to go back? We got to move on from it. You know, the Nookie's got to go. Okay, I, I think it's just showing that maybe Malcolm, we see Malcolm, he is feeling bad for everything. He did leave his child, and he purposely abandoned Peter, and then he died. He felt bad. He wants to go back, but what, is it to continue his work, or maybe just to, like, keep move on with his life? Well, Ethan calls him out and says to Victor, Ethan thinks that Malcolm's lying. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Victor, we haven't mentioned this, but we saw it a little earlier, Victor shooting up. Victor is on drugs and morphine. is an addict. But, like, if any of you have ever been on morphine, you know that you cannot function. Like, everything's kind of la-la. So, and, and he's got the cocaine in his bag and the morphine and all these things. I mean, it, it's funny because the entire season, if you look at Victor's eyes, they've always, they're so beautiful, but they're always so dilated. Gl- they're dilated and yes. glossed over. There's always something with him where it looks like he was just crying or something was just happening. The bags and, under And his it's eyes. starting to make sense. Like, he he is a drug addict. So... He, he is a mad scientist. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I still can't believe you guys didn't get nookie. Okay. We got to talk about the scene. Stop laughing at me. Ha ha ha. We got to talk about the scene. Uh, Vanessa scratching her arm off. We have to deal with it. I'm sorry. I don't want to. I know you do, Marissa. I Okay. I mean, you guys might have been queasy. Yes, that was an uncomfortable moment. But it shows just how elevated the situation is. It got worse. It was to the mo- points where they, that they can control her by sedation, by needle, by morphine, whatever. But now it's to the point where they're literally desperate. And they're at the end, near end, that Vanessa, they have to let Vanessa go in some way. She's... She's literally at the point where she's a lost cause. And that's where it really, I think, in my personal opinion, really took a turn in this episode. It's like, something has to happen right now. It's the foreshadowing of before when she's talking about this creature scratching inside of her and then her... Physically and, and now, doing Now it. the creature is no longer scratching at her insides. It has taken over her body and is scratching at her outsides. I... Mm, <laughs> Okay, moving on. I really don't want to talk about it. I'm sorry. I don't mean to give you guys a bad experience on the after show, but for this one particular scene, I don't even want to talk about it. I think it sums it up. Scratching, covered in blood, Uh, almost kills herself through scratch. And I will admit, I think this was the moment where I was, I realized my face was like, what? I'll just... Or don't even play it off. You loved it. We were grossed out. You loved it. I mean, it was amazing to watch. (laughs) I mean, come on. Okay, moving on to Caliban. What about Caliban waiting outside for Victor? Just standing there and then standing there in the snow because Caliban doesn't give a damn. He's going to get what he wants to get. And we've seen coming attractions for next week and we know that he may get something. Mm -hmm. But Caliban is out there and Victor has a problem and it directly relates to Victor learning how to handle firearms. Funny. Yeah, I I mean, I like that. Every time they shot to Caliban made me think, okay, 
if Victor ever stepped outside of this house that they are now confined in because they're taking care of Vanessa, we now know these are the people that Victor... These are the people that are close to Victor, and these are the people that Caliban could potentially target if Victor ever let them alone. That's true. And then it goes to literally just suppose with the scene that, hey, I want to learn how to shoot a gun to protect myself and maybe to protect you guys because... If I leave you guys, you, you're the only people that are close to me as friends, as acquaintances that Caliban could come over and kill. That is true. But at the end of the day, I don't completely trust Victor. And do we trust any of these people? No, I don't completely trust any of these people, but that's not the point. The point is I don't trust Victor. And Ethan teaching Victor to use a gun, I, it worries me. That now Victor will become, this is obviously going to be an ongoing thing. He's going to become a a sharpshooter just like Ethan. And something, uh, somewhere down the line, I see maybe a duel between the two of them. Uh, Not being able to trust between Victor and between Ethan. Because they're both going to be talented with a gun. And I, I just think that this is bad news. Um, clearly right now that is not the intention. But I, I'm really worried about Victor being able to do this because I, I, the first week I was like, this is the guy to trust. And very quickly I learned that he's a deserter and he's scared and talk about immature. And now we know why Roxy's single. Because <laughs> I don't trust anyone. No, I was saying you trust the wrong guys. Yeah. But if you think about it, all these, all the main guys are cowards and like in some shape or form. We see Malcolm running away from his path. We see Ethan coming over to London, running away from his past. And we see Victor running away from Caliban. They're all pretty much cowards. The only brave one is Vanessa for having to go through what she had to go through. And Dorian Gray's a coward in a different sense because he's a total hedonist. And he just wants pleasure and he doesn't want to face the negative aspects of life, which is a different kind of cowardice. Uh, yeah. Immaturity, whatever you want to call well, it. Well, absolutely. And the, pretty... the, the thing with Vanessa is that she realizes the dark things that she's done in, in her past, but she's ready to face anything that because she's willing to accept the things that she has to face. Strong female characters between Vanessa and Brona. I don't know Go if she's Vanessa. willing to accept the things she has to face. I think she wants to die. And I think that that's her acceptance. That's you true, know? actually. But, so, she, but she's ready to face anything, her consequences. Through death. I yes. think she's willing to face it through death. It, I mean, it depends on what kind of person you are. To me, that's not facing anything. Well, but, wait a minute now. But she, would she, the, okay, if you put the guys in that situation, would they be ready to face their death? I think some I of them. So. I think I know Vanessa wants to die, but I also think she's not a coward in the sense that if she wanted to die, she could have killed herself. She could have taken the gun from Ethan. She was going to make Ethan shoot her. I think that, well, first of all, I didn't call her a coward. But second of all, I think she tried to scratch herself to death. I think that if she was not restrained, she was trying to scratch herself to death. So I, I think that was her form of committing suicide almost. Yes. So I, I, I'm not calling her cowardly because she is possessed by another creature and I don't know wh- who is what when, so I can't say that this is Vanessa doing this. Uh, but I wouldn't say she's the girl who's ready to face everything no matter what happens. I think she is ready to go. She doesn't want to deal with this. Fair enough. That's just one girl's opinion. I'll let you win that one, Roxy, because I'm in a good mood today. Let's move on to Ethan. We learn a little bit of his story. No specifics. We learn he was, quote, mostly in New Mexico territory when he's talking to Sembene. By the way, for those of you at home, New Mexico territory became the state of New Mexico. Yeah. Good fact. There you go. (laughs) Okay. That's that's 
There we go. Perfect. Got a little applause. There we go. <laughs> Said he went out to California for a bit. He was at the Pacific Ocean, all that sort of stuff, talking to uh, Sembene. Sembene is, he shouldn't be funny, but he's a little funny to me because he's, I think, the smartest guy in the room. These idiots are running around doing whatever and trying to figure out this thing, and Sembene hasn't Boom. said very much. But when he does, he's very, very to the point. On point. You should call a priest. Boom. That's it. That's all that needs to be said. Now, it didn't turn out well with the priest, of course, but they didn't perform an exorcism. But Sembeni is is kind of the quiet guy that I feel like it's almost like a sitcom where somebody doesn't talk for a long time or is very quiet. And then you finally ask him his opinion and he just drops knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just He's like, uh-huh, of the group. Exactly. Uh-huh, yes. I love that. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I agree. But I also can't tell sometimes when he's being sarcastic, like when we talk about whether he saved uh, Malcolm's life or whether, you know, he says, I think Malcolm saved, Ethan says, I think Malcolm saved your life. And he said, or maybe I saved his and now I just want to watch over him. And I'm like, it was, that was a little smug. Are you kidding? Or is that what actually happened? No, it was smug. I agree with you. And there was a point to the smugness is I think Sembene thinks rightfully or not, he's above this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's totally above it. He's not involved or he has some power, supernatural or not, that kind of keeps him away from it. Yeah, or maybe he just does really generally care about Malcolm and everything that's happening in his life, and then also that extends to Vanessa. So he's literally looking out for him like family. And that's why he's loyal and sticking with everybody. What do you guys think about those scars on his face that look like little squares almost? I don't know. Like it, I, I know they're maybe prosthetic, and he talked about that, the, the, the actor... Is, yeah, they're not person. on him. Actually, they're no, put there actually, on purpose. No, of course not. Is he was but, he burnt? Was his like, see? I don't know. Was it as simple I think that's as the story. was this? We'll it, it definitely is. But is it as simple as just his like kind of a tribal tattoo in a way? And this is just part of what I came from. Or is there a specific story behind it? I don't know, but it was clearly placed there for yeah. a reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was more probably a tribal from the area. I mean, I'm assuming that he's from Africa. He came with. Malcolm on one of his expeditions came back from that. So I think it might have been like something he grew up with. Or who saved his who? community? We do not know. We don't know. Uh, I'm of the I'm on Team Simbeni. I think yeah. he's the smartest guy on the show. I, I might agree and I would he's have a very be hard likely hero. Perhaps I have a very hard time believing that Malcolm was not able to or didn't want to save his son, but he wanted to save Simbene. So I I think it must be the other way around. That's a good point. That's a really good point. You're coming with the heat today, Roxy. It's because I took a little less gin tonight. More water, less gin. <laughs> coming I did, from someone who didn't want to talk about the I show. Did more <laughs> gin, I did more gin, no water. Uh, so that <laughs> explains the difference between the two of us. Wait, what was the word? The kooks? Nookie. Nookie. <laughs> nookie. Oh, my goodness. You guys, just Google it. Go on Urban Dictionary. You're going to do well with the nookies. Oh my. No, it's not nookies. It's nookie. It's a, You're going to do well with the nookie? <sighs> moving on. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> just Google it, please. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let's move to the scene now where Malcolm turns a little sinister. He asks Vanessa to go find Mina. He says, you're in this in-between state between life and death itself. You know, where's Mina? Find Mina. Vanessa doesn't want to do it. Ethan tells him not to do it. And we learn, I know Malcolm's going for his daughter. I get that. But this is a bad way to go about it. This was cruel. Like Vanessa said, such a cruel person you are. And I'm like, yeah, to go to stoop to this level, to use her, you know how weak she is, you know how long she's been fighting this thing inside of her, and then to just use her in that way just to only get Vanessa for your own, you know, selfish reasons. Like, come on, Malcolm. You really are an asshole. Get with it, bro. Get with it. Bobby, you very kindly used the word ask 
I don't feel like he asked her. Oh, no, I feel 100%. like he, he demanded yeah. this of her. Yeah. Which is why, again, excuse my French, but when Ethan walks in, he says, get the fuck away from her. Like, he's, I think that this was really the moment for Ethan where he realized this guy is not who he says he, he's not here for the reasons I think he is. Can I take a very brief detour and excuse everybody's French? On this episode, we heard more fuck this, fuck that than I have ever heard on Penny Dreadful before. And and for the purposes of historical accuracy, because this show has been so good. Oh, I know, I know. You did they say right fuck that much? Um, Here's the thing. Back then? Maybe not. Because we talk about a lot of it of uh, that in, in exactly, our other, in other show, shows, Salem. Salem. Yeah. But in like that, the exact same thought came through my mind. I was like, they're saying that. They said it 30 times today. But you have to think about who's saying it. Ethan, who is from America. You're saying Americans say the fuck word more often? In 1890? Yes, I'm saying in 1890, I do believe that the Americans said the fuck word more often. And Victor said it a lot too. But no, it was mostly Ethan. And then Vanessa is the devil. So the devil swears whenever the devil wants to swear. Or, I sorry, I said that point blank. I don't know what she is, but she's something evil and swears are supposedly evil or something like that. And I'm not surprised Ethan's saying it. He does whatever the F he wants. I'm not surprised Vanessa's saying it. And Victor's on heroin. Like. <laughs> morphine. Sorry. Like. Morph- morphine. Cocaine. Yeah, I'm sure the age too. Like he. But he does have the knack for narcotics. Yeah. Narcot. Whatever. I'm, I'm sorry. He's on drugs. He's got a lot of different drugs. We don't know exactly everything that he's on. He He's on painkillers. He's on different things. He's swearing because whatever. Because F this. You know. Like. Okay. Honestly, I'm feeling, I'm struggling with the fact that he is using drugs and considers himself an addict because it negates a lot of his work and a lot of what he's doing. Um, And that's not like a blanket statement for everybody, but like, uh, make, and that's why I'm worried about the shoot off and whatever. Do, Do you guys trust him? Well, here's the interesting thing about Victor with the drugs. Now that we know he is addicted on some level to morphine or other stuff, not a lot of doctors, I know I'm generalizing. Addiction problems happen across the board, but not a lot of doctors or scientists you're going to find that are addicted to things like this. You may find a lot more artists who are addicted to things like this. And because of today's episode, I now look at Victor much less like a doctor and much more like an artist, especially in light of what he's doing. He's creating art. He's sculpting. Mm -hmm. It just happens to be with real life undead things like Caliban. He's not a doctor trying to clone or learn the human genome or anything like that. He's an artist playing around in the lab. And I don't mean to minimize his work. It's just a different vein than science. It's not science, it's art. I I mean, I think it's interesting how they're making Victor the drug addict now instead of Dorian because Dorian, who can literally live an immortal life, he's the one in the story, in the story of Dorian Gray, that he takes drugs and experiments with like so many different things that can potentially lethally kill him. And then they're making Victor the person who's dealing with it. Well, I'm sure that we'll see uh, Dorian. Maybe this is what bonds them. But, Bobby, I think you make a really amazing point that, yes, when when you have a creative mind and sometimes you feel so tormented, such as Vanessa does or such as Victor does, you are taking morphine, which is a painkiller. He says, even tonight, I'm killing the pain. But what was weirder to me was the fact that in his bag, and maybe it is because he is a doctor, he had this liquid cocaine. Cocaine derivative. Yeah, and he uses it because he said he was giving it to Malcolm because Malcolm wanted to stay awake. And he knows about this, and he has it, and he uses it because he was given it as a little kid. 
Well, now this he is a historical asthma. thing. This is a historical thing to understand about the time period because when Coca-Cola, the soda, was first made, yep. they were putting stuff like cocaine yeah, in yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And it was at that point, at some point in history, a medicinal Ab- thing. Absolutely. I'm just wondering, though, because the switch from cocaine to morphine is a very big one. Yeah. Co- uh, cocaine, which is such an upper, and morphine, which is such a depressant, and you're you're trying to um, not be in pain yourself. and depress everything. What what happened there? What was that? Where was that transition? What you know? Was it the dog? What, what happened there that he went from one to the other? Or is it still both? I don't know. I think it's still both. He's just a tortured soul, and he He's looks a tormented to me. Guy, and this is his way of dealing with all the situation. Maybe it is his way of dealing with the guilt of maybe he did kill people to create this his Frankenstein creatures. Right. I mean, we we haven't really dealt with that yet, but maybe this is... He has more guilty things that he's done in his past that he's dealing with. I agree. Let's move on. I know we're kind of running out of time, and we've talked a little bit about Malcolm in terms of the Murray Mountains. I don't have a shred of decency left, so let's move on to that last scene with the priest, with Father Matthews, the last big scene. I need a little help from you guys. So good. So good. Some some of the Catholicism gets lost on me. Can you you talk to me about exorcism? As a practice, I know it gets out your demons, okay. but what is the practice of exorcism? Well, pr- exorcism, obviously, yes, like you said in layman's term, to eh, to expel any demons or dark forces within yourself by words uh, within, or with force, by prayer and stuff. But they they did have it um, uh, factually. They did have it correct when they got the priest to the place, and they're like, "I can't do this because I don't have the authoritative permission," which is actually true because. During exorcisms, you have to say, like, lines and prayers, like, in the name of God, in the name of Jesus, to, you know, um, get the demons out. And But to say a line like that, you have to have the actual permission of the Vatican, the church, to say those lines. In Still order to this to, day? What? Like, to this day, in order to do anything yes, like that, you, you like, have to... The Vatican has to approve of a priest or someone in that position to go actually um, do this type of exorcism mm. to, wow. to do the actual act yeah you have to get the actual permission i i didn't matter either way because he didn't last very long no we didn't get that yeah. far yeah we we didn't get that far at all um also when he walks in the room and asks her name i feel like it's something maybe you should know walking into the room probably just saying just well he saying. did get the name eventually <laughs> while i stand there he's like what's her name like <laughs> so meaningful he got more of the name and she did to him what she wanted to do to christopher matthew banning that first Matthew she knew, which was yeah. bite his face off, which was bite him in the face somewhere. And but you she saw him didn't... like spit out whatever she, she bit off. Oh, yes, yeah. she did that, but she didn't do to him what she did to somebody else. I nailed him on the sticks upside down so he would come to that's me. Matthew no, 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 no. That, that's Matthew, the yeah. Apostle Matthew. I, yeah. Absolutely, I'm saying like that. She's not going to do that to him. Holy crap! Like literally, what? It, yeah, that's the devil talking. Literally, like, hey, Bobby. I did that. Literally. Um, yeah, because it was close to the ground. I just thought that that was... Ugh. I thought that was so well done to bring in more ca- um, ca- Catholic um, people into the story. And, uh, that in, in the those type of positions, you had the therapist that she used to deal with um, back in that asylum. And then you had it referenced to the actual apostle. So at this to point... really bring in those things up so who did that to matthew because at this point it seems as if she is speaking to she's speaking as the devil that yeah i i believe at this point this is the devil talking so in the bible though 
when she says I nailed them in the sticks upside down, you guys are saying that actually happened. That happened so to who, the that happened to the Apostle Matthew. Who did that to him? Yeah, it well, he was a martyr, and it was the community that uh, um, crucified him upside down. Okay, so the community. It wasn't that yeah, the devil. But came. but that was the devil saying these are the evil ways of the people killing someone. Okay, got it. Yeah, I don't know. And just even before the priest walks up and and Victor, you ridiculous man! Like yeah, I know that was I interesting. Love, I love that. Yeah, I, I love saying that, that like, to a priest. priest I mean, I know. just showing the the conflict of. Catholicism and modern per day practices I find fascinating. Morphine man, Victor's degaff right now. Like, Victor's Victor's what? Yep, yep. Degaff. Don't give a daff word. A oh, this is definitely an explicit. This is a, a, a twenty fourteen version of what gotcha. Victor. Well, is you guys didn't know Nookie, so it's not that twenty fourteen. <laughs> uh, how about Ethan Chandler? How about Josh Hartnett knowing a little Latin? That was an interesting scene. I loved it. Okay, yeah. because from the first moment we saw uh, when we saw Ethan, he was actually Amon Ra, and then we cut to the actual Ethan downstairs, and he's playing with his Saint Jude necklace. I was like, that is the thing that is protecting him. That's why he's not affected. He played with it all and then through tonight's episode. I knew something was going to happen with that necklace, mm-hmm. and then he used it. And I'm like, yes, yeah, thank he, you. He did. And what actually was that? So she's she's losing it, and he puts it on her head, and he's chanting, and she's screaming. What what was he doing in that moment? It was pretty much an exorcism. So he was yes. performing and the exorcism. I love the symbolism with using the St. Jude necklace because he is the patron saint of lost causes. At this point, Vanessa is seriously a lost cause. But, they were ready to let her die. And mm-hmm. Ethan, in some ways, we don't know his past, but he might be too. Yeah, yes. he very well might be, but I'm wondering what is it, and of course we don't know the answer, but why is Ethan eligible to do this? What makes him capable of this? I think he's eligible in the sense that he is a true believer, as we learn in this thing, and that he won. He beat the devil in this situation. I'm sure it's coming back, but he beat the devil, the demon, the supernatural being, whatever, and his faith was more powerful to bring back Vanessa, and for the time being, the possession has resolved itself. But guess what? That devil's coming back. He's coming what he came for. He's he not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. But for now... He this won is, this battle. This is another way to buy them time. Like Simbene knocking her out. Like them chaining her to the bed. This was this is going to buy them more time. I don't even but know. But it's another if, way to buy them time. I don't know if that's what this is. Because she looked so different in this last... When she's lying in the bed, she looked angelic. So I don't know if this is even buying them time. As much as I, I believe she has been... or For... I guess you're right, period of time, cured, quote-unquote. Yeah. So, uh, I I don't know, actually. We'll see when she wakes up. I'd get with yeah. that. The last line that we need to talk about on the show, before we move on to predictions and news and all that good stuff, quote, There cannot be a happy end. The claw will slash and tooth will oh, rend. Mm. Mm-hmm. An animal is coming. Yeah. And... They wanted us to actually listen to that because we heard it 12 times on yeah. repeat. And in different ways, too. In different voices. One was Mina's. Um, One was the devil. Right. So, I mean, what the what? Something is going to unleash on the earth. I can't wait for the... I can't I'm not so wait excited. for the season it, finale. It can't I'm be so the last excited. quote that we talk about, though, because the last quote clearly has to be, I know where Mina is. Yeah. So, because... I think we all know where Mina right. is now. Do we? <laughs> Do you know where Mina I think is? So, yeah. Where is Mina? No, I mean, no, we'll no. Save it. Save it. Yeah, let's get it for predictions. predictions. Before we do that, let's go to news and gossip. Real quickly. 
Literally from the booth. Ah, oh, Christ. Ah, oh, from the booth. It's okay. He's getting tired. We are not. Okay, yep. we've got three pieces of news. Marissa, go first. Really quickly, um, I just read a fun article on uh, toplessrobot.com. They had a list. I mean, that's the site that I found it on. Toplessrobot.com. Yep. Okay, go on. Go check it out. Uh, they have oh, a list of eight reasons why you should watch Penny Dreadful. And I think it's so spot on. You should definitely check out the interview. Like, okay, I'll just quickly say number one, it puts gothic back in gothic monsters. I totally agree. Two, Eva freaking Green. I yeah. mean, She's amazing. Three, it makes Dracula scary again because we've seen all the different variations of Dracula. And what makes Dracula scary is that we still haven't seen his character. It's the suspense that having this creature who's so present in every episode, but we yet have yet to really Go, 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 give space. us four. Okay, four. Those opening credits. You uh, disagree, but I agree with that. <laughs> I mean, they are amazing. They're scary as hell. Number five, the production value. Yes. Number six, they got some bi action going on. Bi sexy, sexy action, action mm-hmm. going on. Number seven, the show has excellent pedigree with amazing actors in it and the writers and producers. And number eight, there's so much more potential for the future. I think number Completely eight is the most important one. Agree. And Go yeah. check out the article. It's awesome. Very quickly, Marissa, on your number two about Eva frickin' Green. Yep. Guys, every time we do an episode here on After Buzz, we've got a whiteboard off to the side here we take notes on. And Marissa, <laughs> on the whiteboard today decided that she was going to write and i'll read it out penny dreadful season one episode seven possession aka holy shit eva green (laughs) i I saw that midway through this episode and i (laughs) i I had a chuckle to myself i mean eva green is amazing i love her she's just amazing something also her 300 dvd rise of an empire is out on dvd tuesday june 24th go get it all right hey i've got one piece of news i will save the josh hartnett news for next week because it's an interesting piece that doesn't really fit here but the one thing is reef carney who plays dorian gray discussed dorian gray's sexuality on the backlot it's not topless robot but it is the backlot he says so the backlot asked him about dorian gray he about the orgy in the backlot oh. <laughs> this is definitely explicit sorry listeners <laughs> I wish he didn't say it the second it came out. Oh, actually, we, we found out tonight that he doesn't actually take it in the back lot. He gives it in the back lot. <laughs> Correction. Okay. Ooh, ooh, keep going. Is this real life? <laughs> I don't know. All right. Uh, TheBacklot.com asks Reeve Carney, how do you define Dorian's sexuality? Reeve Carney says, quote, I think it's a response to a numbness within don't say anything. He has to continue to take things to the next level and create more extreme heightened circumstances in order to feel the things that he wants felt. He also says when they talk about Dorian's sexuality, Reeve Carney says it's great to be able to work with the sexuality, but it actually has nothing to do with sexuality. It's almost like someone who is a cutter. It's not about the cutting. It's not about that. It's about wanting to have some physical manifestation for what you're feeling on the inside. And here's a spoiler for you guys, or a teaser. It's not a spoiler. But the backlot asks what they're going to see in terms of Dorian and Ethan moving forward since, you know, who knows what's going on. And Reeve Carney says, quote, you'll definitely see more of it, and we're obviously nearing the end of this particular installment, but Dorian and Ethan have some sort of connection, and we're going to see how it develops and changes. Actors that give that intelligent of an answer are, I can't, no words for them. That That's amazing that he has thought that through and was able to express it like that. There we go. Hey, let's move on. Before you say something else wildly inappropriate, yeah, sorry. let's move on to Predictions. predictions. <laughs> And now, you're After Buzz TV. 
<laughs> okay, I'll go. I'll go. Go for Mina's it. Mina's at the Grand Grinnell. Hence, because we saw it in the previews, they're up in the rafters. You know they're at the theater. And the finale is called the Grand Grinnell. Boom. Done. Roxy. I'll YouTube my predictions. Bobby, go. All right. Vanessa. Not Mina. Not Brona. Not the woman at the theater. I believe Vanessa wants to die. And I could see Vanessa being Caliban's monster wife. Yeah, because we saw a little bit of the... the uh, um, preview because we saw Victor pull back the sheet and we saw it was a brunette. There it we might go. be Vanessa. Hey, social links, Marissa, Twitter, Instagram, do it. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Serafini TV at Roxy Stryer. I'm at Bobby DeMiro on Twitter at Mr. Bobby DeMiro on uh, Instagram. I'm doing Kardashians right now. I know that not a lot of Penny Dreadful fans <laughs> are going to watch Kardashians. If you do, stick with us for that. And hey, AfterBuzzTV.com and Facebook and Twitter.com slash AfterBuzzTV. Follow us there. Thank you guys for joining us this week. We'll see you for the season finale a week from today. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 